radio show on the Loving Liberty Network. We are so glad you have chosen to join us today. And I am Pamela Smith. I'm here with Delane England. Delane England. And we are so excited to talk about a few things that we feel are really relevant. We have a special guest with us. His, his name is Garrett Smith. And he is a practicing ter- attorney in Utah. And I have a little uh, bias towards him because he happens to be my son. And I've asked him to come on and share his thoughts about what is happening, not just in Utah, but around the United States and around the world and what his insights are and what we as Americans should be thinking. So, Garrett, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. It's always good to have you um, share your insights. Uh, tell us, tell us what you think, um, from a legal standpoint, that is happening. Do you think this this has been a legal shutdown? You know, I I like to talk about in the world of law and and rights specifically the bill of rights a concept of consenting away our rights so i think the one of the best examples that i can use is when people are pulled over by a police officer because that probably happens to all of us at some point right or we've seen it happen and probably to some more than others right <laughs> so some of us have more experience at this but uh, the concept behind it is when we're pulled over, we we don't lose our rights, but there's different degrees of uh, scrutiny that can be given at that point. And so if I'm pulled over and I was speeding, well, that is against the law. And so I may be what they call stop and frisk, you know, that type of idea where if there's a reasonable suspicion that I may uh, be doing something wrong, then I can be basically pulled over and they can ask for my identification. Now, for something that would require a warrant, that that would be probable cause. Like if I was doing something that was even more dangerous or, or apparently wrong or the plain sight rule, maybe I have some contraband in the back seat of my car. Well, now there's exceptions to the warrant requirement of you know, probable cause and plain sight and so forth that they wouldn't have to go and get a warrant signed by a magistrate to search my car. But a lot of people don't understand what their rights are or how to approach it the most impactful way that's in a spirit of collaboration rather than conflict. And so what I like to do is just teach people don't consent away your rights. So if you're pulled over and the police officer wants to search your phone, you can say, You can assert your right and say, I don't give you, I'm not consenting away my right to privacy by letting you search my phone. 
Now, most people wouldn't be aware of the Supreme Court case that came out, I believe it was about seven years ago now, where the Supreme Court said that a phone is like searching your home because it has all of your private information in one place. Most people don't know that court case even exists. But on an internal level or a gut level, we say, no, you can't search my phone. I don't want you to search my phone. That has private information. But if I hand my phone over to the officer, I now don't have a Fourth Amendment right against unreasonable search and seizure because I've consented that right away. And so part of the idea of understanding our rights and then communicating them effectively is to do so in a way that doesn't create more conflict. You know, if I'm pulled over and the officer asks to search my car, I say, no, you know, I have a Fourth Amendment right. You can't violate my rights. I mean, that's very conflicting. (laughs) You know, I'm just asking for police brutality. And that's not smart. That's not a responsible way to assert my rights. But, you know, if I'm pulled over and they want to search my car, I may assert my rights and put the burden back on them and say, if you have a valid warrant, I'd be happy to let you search my car. So I've asserted my right. I haven't acted in a spirit of conflict. I said, yeah, collaboration. I'm happy to let you do it if you've got the burden to show that you deserve or you have a right to search my car. And until that's a warrant that's signed by an independent magistrate, then the answer is no, but but we can still chat. <laughs> you know, we can still talk and it doesn't have to be a big conflict or, you know, a puffing of who has more rights. Okay. Well, Garrett, um, Garrett Smith, Mr. Garrett Smith, instead of, <laughs> I'm a little too personal, but let me add, uh, remind you of something that happened in Greenville, Mississippi, when a preacher was trying to meet um, a couple Sundays ago, and he was going to have his congregation congregate in the parking lot, listen from a radio station, and he was going to present from, and there was all, there were all these police cars there, uh, one of the higher crimes place locations in the United States, according to the preacher, and he said, Here they all are congregating on a Sunday morning at my church to issue citations to everyone. And so he went out to talk to the officer and said, we're going to, the officer said, we're going to give everyone a right, uh, the opportunity to leave the parking lot before we give them a citation. But um, just so you know, if they choose to stay, we're going to cite all of you. And, and he said, how is that possible? He goes, well, your rights have been suspended. And I mean, that was recorded and they, that was, that was what they were asserting without the proper. And so the preacher said, my rights have not been suspended because my rights come from the Bible. They come from God and, and you can't take them away. I don't know if that, uh, I don't know what happened. The, the recording didn't show the end result, but what do you think about that? I mean, he, he knew he had a right, but they were saying we are going to. And, and that may be a risk that those officers are taking to subject themselves to criminal and civil penalties for violating rights that are outlined in the Constitution. There's uh, not only the Constitution itself, the First Amendment, for example, that says you have the right to freely exercise your religion. You also have the right to assemble peacefully 
you have these rights. And to be denied of those rights, there has to be due process of law. And that's under the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment, where it says if the government is going to restrict our life, liberty, or property, there has to be due process of law. And the problem that I'm seeing going on across the United States right now on the federal, state, local levels is we are suspending people's liberties without due process of law. And for those that are consenting and and choosing not to uh, petition for redress of grievances or you know, file a lawsuit, whatever that may look like, then perhaps by tacit consent, they're saying, yeah, this is okay. And because we're scared of something, then it's okay to suspend our rights. Where this preacher down in Mississippi is saying, no, we, we have a right to worship. And in fact, we're being very responsible because we're just broadcasting it to people that are enclosed in their box, you know, their car. They're, they're not exposed to each other where they could pass something on. They just wanted to gather. And so this would appear to be more of an extreme violation of rights. But there's also uh, my, you know, minuscule violation of rights that are happening all over the place by saying, you know, you can only um, allow a certain amount of people in your store or restaurant and you have to sit this far apart and so on and so forth. All of these are arbitrary guidelines uh, or enforcements that, you know, they're stated as guidelines, but in some cases there's criminal penalties. And so what we need to understand is whether it's something extreme, like what happened in Greenville or something maybe more minor that we're experiencing, even in our own business management, it's still a violation of our rights. And I'm not telling everyone to go out and to act irresponsibly and to breathe in each other's mouths and and sit on top of each other just to prove a point, because I think that that's irresponsible. And I, you know, that that's not something that I'm encouraging people to do, but what I am encouraging and I'm trying to promote this idea is that it's not the proper role of government and they do not have that power to infringe on our rights without due process of law. So are you suggesting that we can mitigate the risk and still keep our liberties at the same time? They're not mutually exclusive. Like, yes, we want to mitigate the risk, but we need to do it with our liberties intact because if we don't keep our liberties intact, then maybe the risk to life is greatly taken. It's, it's greatly increased. We're going to a break. And so, Garrett, if you don't mind staying with us and let's continue that conversation, um, stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Again, we are the Liberty Moms. I'm Pamela Smith here with Delaine England. And we have Mr. Garrett Smith, who is here to represent. He's an attorney practicing in Utah. We've been having a great discussion, and we're going to continue with that about the discussion that we were finishing. The question being um, whether they're mutually exclusive. Um, you know, being able to balance, how do we balance what's going on with rights versus security? Yes. Right. There seems to be this, this never ending pendulum swinging back and forth between these two. And 
you know, freedom is essential, but we also sacrifice certain freedoms to have security, right? It, to secure freedom, that's where, um, you know, governments, that's why governments are instituted among men, according to the Declaration of Independence. But they still derive their powers from the consent of the governed. And what we're seeing right now is rather than a bottom-up approach of us consenting, yes, we think this is necessary, we're seeing a top-down heavy pendulum coming down to say, because you are not smart enough to exercise your liberty appropriately as we deem fit, then stay at home. And so as we're balancing this out, I, I think that it's important to realize we don't want to be so conflicted here. I know that, you know, maybe in politics, um, some of the, the talking points and things like that, the emotional arguments are really important to draw. I just like to take it back to the law. Let's look at the law. Whether we're emotional about it or not, the law still applies. And if, if it's okay, I, I like to point our listeners to a letter that I wrote to the people of the state of Utah. It's available uh, on the integralaw.net website and also our Facebook. That is www.integralaw.net. And if you go to the tab called We Are Essential, you'll be able to pull up that two-page letter. And, and what I'm intending is to inform people of what their rights are. You know, we were talking about the health department unelected officials, people that are in the bureaucracy of, you know, federal, state, local levels, putting out these arbitrary guidelines. They say, you can't meet, you know, you can't meet. Oh, you can. Okay. Well, what was the difference between the ones that you said were essential and the ones that aren't essential? That's why this, you know, this tab, we are essential. We're, we're trying to get this idea out that, all businesses that provide income to their families and provide a service to people of this great state, this great country, they're essential in some form or another. And to look at someone and say, you are not essential, and then look at another and say, you are essential, without any rhyme or reason, seems disingenuous and seems to be targeted against specifically those that are supporting you know, traditional uh, rights and principles like that preacher down in Mississippi who says, we just want to exercise our First Amendment right to not only worship God, but also to gather. There was no imminent danger there. There was no threat, yet they were still shut down. And so I think that we have to be careful and at least understand what our rights are and be able to articulate them in such a way as to convince and persuade others to be of the same mindset. Now, I, I know that there's people in the health department that are great people. I'm not saying that they're bad. They're the enemy. And in a lot of ways, I, I think that we swing back and forth on this pendulum where, you know, a, a hit against liberty takes place. And so we try to fire back and, you know, there may be even some mudslinging going on. But if we just go through the mud, we wash it down with, you know, the pure water of the Constitution, if that's what you want to call it, just wash everything away and see what's left, we'll notice that these rights that have been established for centuries and even before America for millennium, they still remain. And the reason that they remain is that they're true. And no matter how many times someone will tell a lie against those truths, it doesn't take away from the fact that these are truths, that we have 
these rights that are endowed to us by our creator, you know, our founding documents are full of, of this language because that's the source. And what God has given, no man can take away without our consent. If we're consenting it, then that come, we come back to that same problem of they'll take as much freedom from us as we'll allow them to take. Absolutely. Perfectly said. Very well said. And we've seen people literally surrendering their liberties on a silver platter to our representatives and to the health department and to the government because they're so consumed with fear and they're so consumed with wanting to feel safe. And I just love what I'm, I love Benjamin Franklin and I love his quote that says, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety, which is exactly what we will have. We won't have either one of them. So very well said. And we are in a really, really serious predicament in Utah, which I think is probably the same across our nation with that, what we put in code, giving the health departments on a local level and by the counties so much power over our lives. That is in violation of our Utah Constitution, so it's completely unconstitutional, but we have put it in code. And so do you have any ideas of what we can do there, Garrett, to fix our laws so they comply with our Constitution? Yeah, absolutely. I I am always advocating for a de-legislative session because yes. we have so many bad laws on the books that we just need to go and, and clean them out just a little bit. But if we look at the Constitution as the founding document, there's also federal code that protects our rights and goes against other state and local and federal code that gives power to these unelected bureaucrats to, uh, you know, to restrict liberties. And so if I can point these out, I think that it would be helpful in articulating how, why we are feeling this way is because it's supported in federal code. If we were to go to uh, Title 18 of the United States Code, Section 242, it talks about that well, I'll just quote some of it. It says, whoever under color of any law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom, so really any law that you can think of, whether it's you know the full-on constitution, whether it's uh, just a little uh, health department thing that, that's there, if it, they subject any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district to the deprivation of any, or deprivation, sorry, of any rights, privileges, or immunities secured or protected by the Constitution of the United States, you know, that's a big mouthful to say. It says that they'll be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. And then as it continues forward and says, as these deprivation of rights become even more extreme, then you could be subject to the death penalty, life in prison or the death penalty. So that is a, a federal criminal code but then they also have a civil code for deprivation of rights under uh, Title 42, Section 1983. And it reads very similar. And it just says that if anyone deprives uh, people of these essential liberties, they'll also be liable to the party injured in an action of law, suit in equity, or other proper proceeding for redress. And so there's not only criminal, but also civil liabil liabilities for violating people's rights. And so my... Uh, my, you call it a warning, or or my um, ability to reach out to these great law enforcement officers that don't want to take away rights of the people. Say, hey, you have uh, the ability to not exercise these arbitrary rules and guidelines here because you could be criminally and civilly liable. Plus, you took an oath, as I did, as a barred member 
you know, here in Utah and Idaho to uphold the Constitution. And at the end of the day, if we're upholding the Constitution, we don't have to apply unconstitutional and arbitrarily applied guidelines, whether they're from the health department or the president himself. Oh my goodness, thank you so much, Garrett. Um, we have a lot to learn. I hope you'll go, will you hurry and quickly say your website again? Integra. Uh, yeah, integralaw.net. I-N-T-E-G-R-A-L-A-W.net. We are Essential Tab, and read that document. Thank you so much for joining us. You have been a, a great um, help to us to, so we can learn liberty. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us, Garrett Smith. This is the Loving Liberty Network. We're so happy to have you join us. This is Delane England with Pamela Smith. We have had such a great show. We, uh, you know, I am not Garrett Smith's mom, sad to say, (laughs) but I think he is absolutely a genius. He's brilliant. And I love that he can talk to us like a lawyer, but I can still understand him. That is so rare. I love that, that I can still understand what he's saying. And he is so principled and you know, he is very busy and it costs a lot of money to have a conversation with Garrett if he's on um, as an attorney. But I love that he took so much time to write that letter and to stand up, not just stand for our liberty, but he took time to educate us so that we are empowered to stand up for our liberties. And not just in the coronavirus, but really in every other way in life, in every aspect. I think we got a great education today on how we can stand for our liberty in every aspect of life. And we really have a responsibility to our children to make sure that they understand that so that they can. I I love what Garrett said. It's like, we don't come at people in power. We don't come at them like an attack and like we're on, we're trying to get a fight, but just, Oh, I'd love to. Can you just share your documentation that you have a right We assert our rights. We assert our rights. We don't have to do it in a hostile manner, but we can clearly. But I think the confidence that we can come when we are educated is makes all the difference instead of feeling like you have you don't have the upper hand and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to handle the situation. Now you know how to handle it and doing it in a way that isn't confrontational, that doesn't escalate the problem. Absolutely. And each of us have a responsibility. It doesn't matter. We don't all have to be attorneys. We can all uh, share what we know, what we have studied, and we can um, share that information and with each other so that we can become, we don't have to know everything, but we can know enough in order to retain our rights. I don't think the um, preacher that we talked about in Greenville, Mississippi, was a constitutional scholar, but he knew his rights, and he knew where they came from. And that is enough. And he was talking confidently. And so I think we we really need to change our mindset. I think now is the time, as the dust is settling, I think a lot of the things that have come 
upon us in the last month and a half were unexpected by most people. And I think sometimes that's the work of the adversary is when things we don't understand everything is when the time when we lose our liberties the fastest is in the time when we're trying to regain our footing and we let things creep in that don't belong there because we have wasted or because we have not been prepared. But I really think that um, if we draw upon our scriptures, I will say as a mother of Garrett that he, when he was a little child, he would ask me to read um, the Bible. And I really did not have uh, the, the energy to read it to him aloud, but I let him listen to recordings. And he started when he was about five and he listened to the entire Old Testament, and New Testament. And he did that twice before he was, um, I think, 12 years old. So I am not making that up because I remember thinking, wow, um, he, he said he wanted to. And so I think he came with a desire. He, he's always been about liberty. And I think I have that in my, in my DNA too. It's just, we, there's something from our core. Don't you, don't you feel it? When, when this all happened, there was something in my core that said, this is not right. And I know that, um, fear when, when fear comes upon you like that and demoralization that it's going to kill so many people. And now of course we see that the numbers haven't panned out as projected but look at everything that we have given up in that month and a half. It's alarming. It should be alarming to every liberty-loving American. It should be alarming to every American, but hopefully it's at least alarming to every liberty-loving American because we have given up. We have lost so many liberties. Surprised at how many people that are liberty-loving people who have been very happy to surrender their liberties. Absolutely. Me too. That is the most alarming thing of all. It's really surprised me because I'm like, wait a minute, you're about liberty. And we learn and we study as a history teacher. I mean, like, why do we study history? I tell my students all the time, why do we study it? It's not just to, it's not to torture you. It is so you can take the lessons of these people and you can take what they learned and the things they did that were so successful the times that they did things that were not successful, you and you can take these principles and you can implement them so that you can maintain and restore your liberties. And we look and we study these amazing people and these founders. We honor them. We look up to them. We, we really respect them. And yet, are we willing to just say, oh, yeah, that was them, but we're okay to just give it up? Well, so- and it's important to remember that they were not the majority. Exactly. When- when America was facing what they were facing against Britain, a lot of people just said, you know, let's keep the peace. Let's keep the peace. Like we, we don't want to take on the most powerful army, the, our own king, our own leader, and take on the most powerful military in the entire world. We are outnumbered and we don't want, we want to feel secure. And the majority of people, 80% of the people in America said, we'll keep our security. Only 12 to 20% of the colonists said, oh, no, give me liberty or I will go live somewhere else on the other side. I will take death because it is nothing more than existing. 
And so only 12 to 20% were willing to stand up and fight. And that's all we need now. We don't need a majority. But I would like to talk about the health department because I know we got started and we touched on that. But I think people across America need to know and understand what has happened, how the health departments have been able to infiltrate our liberties and infiltrate our government. And the health department, as well-intended as they probably are, they are an unelected bureaucracy. And I invite everyone to pull up their code and read that. And in Utah, it's under 53. It's Utah code 53 is where the health department is. But every code is online across the nation. And you can look for the health department code and go in there and read and find out and see what power this unelected bureaucracy has over your lives. And we in Utah, we have tried, we are in still trying to, um, to pass a law to get a bill through that will pull back some of this power that it needs to be shared in the event of an emergency, in the event of a crisis. We don't want the health department singly having this power to just come in and just completely annihilate all of our liberties and to destroy our um, economy. Because again, when we look at history, which I love to do, when we look at history, we see that more people in modern times and past times have lost more lives from poverty and loss of liberty than they have from any disease. So we have to kind of look at that from a more open perspective and look at the whole perspective. It's like, we want to protect people from disease. And if you have a disease, the government has, a, in order to protect everyone else's liberties, they have a vested interest in making sure one person doesn't go off and just kill a bunch of people with disease, but that we can mitigate this and we can balance this. They also, the government's role is to protect our liberties, not take them. Absolutely. And can balance those things and they're not mutually exclusive and we can do both. And so um, there is a bill in Utah. It was presented in a special session and now it's on hold. But um, it was to just give the legislature and the governor more power in con connection with the health department. And I do suggest we don't go in and try to just completely take everything away from the health department because it probably won't pass. It's best to do things line upon line, precept on precept, take um, just the way we lost our liberties. We didn't lose them all at once. We lost them a little bit at a time and that's kind of how we have to take it back. That would be my suggestion in order to get it through. And we've got I to don't think we should prance around it either. We should go in boldly with the truth because the truth really does stand for itself. So if we are going to um, use like Garrett suggested the federal codes that restate the health department, you know, in that title 18 section 242, we really ought to as um, individual citizens go in and study that so that we can reassert that that is unconstitutional. Yes. Well, we um, thank you so much. Great conversation. Great discussion. We are going to take a short break. We will be back in just a moment to the Loving Liberty Network.
Hi, this is Delaine England. I'm in with Pamela Smith. And we are so happy with the the Liberty Moms and we're on the Loving Liberty Network. We're so grateful to be here. We're so glad that you're joining us today. And we are very proud Liberty Moms. Are we not, Pamela? Absolutely. We're so happy that you have joined us. We're going to finish up a little bit for just a moment where we don't have a lot of time, but we want to finish up a little bit about empowering you to get involved. Even if you feel like you don't know enough, get involved and do something to help curb back the power that your local health department has. The the thing about health departments, they are county. They're not a state. They're a county. Well, there is a state one. But the counties have a lot of power. And so you, you're, you, the way to pull them back, the way to get things in balance here is to do it through your legislature. And you have to go and you've got to educate your legislature. You need to educate them on the Constitution because chances are most, most of them do not know a lot about the Constitution, both our federal and also look up your state constitution. Because in Utah, our state constitution says that the government is there to promote business. It gives them no power to shut down businesses. The health department derives their power from code. Not anywhere do they get it from the Constitution. And we know that the Constitution is, if I may say, trumps or it overrides state law. And so we have to educate on that and then look at the health department code, look at the law, and then see where you can make some improvements to that law. And I've just found my life experience, I never want to be a downer, but my life experience is that if you make some compromises, go for the gold, go for, this is a great bill. You may have to make some compromises and you may not get everything you want at first, but you work on it and you work on it. And as the founding father said, eternal vigilance is necessary to preserve, or at this point to restore our liberties. We must be eternally vigilant. And so we have to go in there and, yeah, get everything you can. But if you have to make a few concessions to get it through, I highly recommend we do it because I feel like it's so much better to have improvements than it is to lose everything. And this year, we were so set on a perfect bill that we ended up dividing and we ended up killing a really good bill because it wasn't a perfect bill that would have given the health department, some restraints. It wouldn't give them as many as we want, but it would give them some restraints. And that would be better than having no restraints, which we have now. So sometimes we do have to, it does take a couple of years to get it all the way through. But I do feel like it's one of the most important things we can do right now um, because the health department has way too much control over our lives. So I, I invite everyone to just grassroots, go to your health department, start working with your legislators, get them educated, and you can get this done. It's totally, totally possible because you don't need a majority of people. You just need 12 to 20% of people getting on board with you. So Pamela, um, you brought up a really good point off the air. You were talking about... Global citizenry versus United States citizenry. I, I see a huge movement of trending to be global citizens but it, 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 it comes at the sacrifice of being United States citizens. And um, I, I've read a lot about, you know, the whole goal of being a global citizen. And when it comes at the sacrifice of being an American, that it really, it, it goes against everything that I believe 
I should stand for as an American. It's completely against the Constitution of the United States. Yes. And you know what? I'd say that's true. Even if you're from if you're from Venezuela, if you're from any other country that you're proud of, you want your nation to be sovereign. Do you want your nation to be controlled by a global organization, the World Health Organization, for instance? Do you want them making mandates to your citizens, to your health departments, which is exactly what has happened? That's why the health departments have so much power is because they have been taught, trained, and educated by the World Health Organization, the United Nation, and these uh, global organizations. Yes, I, I think that's so true. And I, I, um, there is a quote, I'm going to have to share it next time. I probably can't find it, but it talks about, you know, in the education system in, in the UN, originally in 1954, 59, between 54 and 59, was a quote about saying, you know, about mental health of children. And the education that they wanted to do is to get rid of G, um, jingoism, which is yes. patriotism, so that they could, you know, because that's a form of, of mental health. When someone is too, uh, too loyal to their family or to their country or to religious liberties, they, that really creates a, a problem for world communities. And so I think we need to really be aware of that, that this is something that we as Americans, this is kind of a last stand. We, we've got to stand up to um, these entities that are trying to take away our American heritage and to swallow it up in a world citizenry. Even though we acknowledge that there are world citizenries, we respect them and we want them to retain theirs too. We want to stand for that. But if I think if we get rid of Americanism, the rest of the world will, will fall as well. We are that last stand. Yes. And we are at that tipping point. We really are out of time. We, we can't, we don't have the luxury to kind of put it off. We're really at a time when we really need to stand up and people do need to understand that. So thank you, Pamela. And this, this has really happened at such a local level. I know right here in Bountiful, we have a stream and the United, it runs through some property, some green space, and the United Nations has taken that property over. And it, this property is a swamp. It, the stream doesn't flow naturally. And so we wanted to go in and clear it so that the water will flow because it creates so many mosquitoes that no one can go out in this neighborhood in the evening at all because you just get eaten alive. And if we could just clear that out, but we can't clear it out because the United Nations has control over this little piece of property right here in, it's in North Salt Lake, but in Davis County, it's this little piece of property. It's like, why would the UN even know it exists? But they've taken it over and no one has any power to, to do anything about that. So we don't have control over our own land right here in our neighborhoods. And I think that should awaken some people that we need to go back and we need to take local control back. But this is how League of Cities and Towns and how the World Health Organization and many of these organizations, they work with our local leaders who are well-intended and very innocent and want to do the right thing. And they, and you know what? That always sounds good. Like Common Core. Common right. sounded good to people if they didn't understand the tentacles of it. But you know what? It's, it's when we are, 
paving the way to um, tyranny, those are the most useful is the well-intending people because they're the ones that let it slide. And just makes me think of the Thomas Paine quote that when he said, you know, he was defining the crises. And he said, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands for it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives us everything, gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its good, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. I, I mean, you know, I've heard that my mom was a freedom-loving person, and I heard that when I was young, and it, it just brings my, my heart. It makes my heart ache for, for that, but it makes me want to also stand up and stand for liberty at all times and in all things and in all places. It's so beautiful. It's so impactful. I just, in closing, because our time is up, but I, w- I want to make people aware that there are alternative places to get information and to post information, because we know that many of these things that have been posted from many doctors and many uh, professionals are making us aware of what's really going on, how the numbers are being skewed of numbers of deaths from uh, coronavirus. And and a lot of this information is being made so we don't have access to it. So uh, an alternative to Facebook is mewe.com, M-E-W-E.com. And that is an alternative. We need to get people who love liberty to go on there and start using that because it's effective. The other yeah. thing, instead of YouTube, there's YouTube, which is E-Tube, like huge, only take the H off, huge tube.com and that is another place where you can post uh videos and um they can still be seen so remember that you and i are the defenders of our liberty have a wonderful day thank you so much for joining us 